welcome to PSHE Talks. I'm Jenny Fox, one of the Senior Subject Specialists at the PSHE Association. It's been a while since our last full episode of the podcast, but we're excited to be back discussing the important issue of friendship and bullying and how we can address these through the PSHE curriculum. I'm joined today by Bethan Miller, one of our Subject Specialists, and Josh Stubbs, Knowledge Transfer Associate, who's joined the PSHE Association in a research capacity through a partnership with the University of York. It's a pleasure to be chatting to both of you today. We're going to take a look at the statistics and research base around the topic of bullying before looking at school statutory duties and the nuances of teaching this topic at primary versus secondary phases. And then finally, taking a look at the lesson packs and other relevant sources of support. So Bethan, this might seem like an obvious question, but why is it important to teach about friendship and bullying? Thanks, Jenny. It's really important to teach about friendship and bullying to help our students to have the skills that they need to navigate their social relationships and also to try and reduce some of the impacts of bullying before it happens. We always want to take that preventative approach in PSHE. Mm. In terms of the kind of current national picture, the Anti-Bullying Alliance did a survey in 2022 to get a picture of where and when students being bullied. And of all pupils, 74% reported that they had ever been bullied, which is a very high number. We know that this is a very common and prevalent experience for a lot of students. Mm. And we also know that of all pupils as well, 24% have been bullied online. So this is across different contexts too. In terms of the kind of shorter term, that's having ever been bullied. But in terms of the short term, the last few weeks, we know that 24% of students who are between 4 and 18 have been bullied. So this is across a variety of age ranges. We do know that there is a kind of peak in terms of when we see bullying behaviours emerge around key stage 2. But we also know for some students, there's a higher prevalence, there's a higher rate, a kind of higher risk. So students who are receiving free school meals of those pupils, 30% report of being bullied. Um, so higher than the rate of pupils um, who are not on free school meals and also students with special educational needs and disabilities. We see a slight change in terms of the numbers of pupils who are actually carrying out those bullying behaviours. About 6% of pupils reported carrying out those bullying behaviours in that survey in 2022. We know there's a range of short-term impacts for people who are being bullied, so um, that kind of fear and avoidance of school, absenteeism, how that can then impact their academic performance, and then so also the kind of physical symptoms that can come along with a kind of bullying behaviour, so headaches, stomach aches, and long-term effects, so um, challenges with trust, forming difficulty, having difficulties forming healthy relationships, and some of the kind of mental health challenges that can come alongside um, experiencing bullying as well. And we see these challenges for young people who are carrying out bullying behaviours too. I'm going to pass to Josh, though, to discuss those further. Sure, thank you. Uh, so earlier this week, I actually spoke to a colleague of mine at the University of York called Dr Natalie Norrett, who is a lecturer in education and mental health. And she specialises in bullying and was kind enough to give me uh, an overview of the research on the relationship between bullying and mental health. She emphasised that we need to think about bullying or think about the different roles that are performed in relation to bullying. So we can think about victims of bullying, uh, people who witness bullying or young people who witness bullying, bullies themselves, and then the parents of victims of bullying as well. And what we know is that there is definitely a relationship between bullying and poor mental health for all of those involved. Uh, it's difficult to understand or difficult to capture exactly which way the direction of the relationship is. So it seems that experiencing poor mental health puts you at an elevated risk of being bullied. So children who experience um, poor mental health are more likely to be bullied, but also uh, being bullied is likely to have a negative impact on their mental health as well. Uh, so we know that uh, children who have been bullied uh, have or show higher symptoms of anxiety, depression, 
uh, they're more likely to experience suicidal thoughts, uh, and as Beth had mentioned, also more likely to experience things like headaches, stomach aches, sleep disturbance, and so on. Uh, and that will show up in things like school avoidance and so forth. So those can be some of the signs that teachers could look out for when trying to work out uh, whether or not someone is being bullied. In terms of witnesses, so that's people who um, see bullying taking place, it can also be distressing for them as well because seeing someone being bullied is quite an upsetting experience. It can also lead to feelings of shame and guilt um, as a result of not intervening. And finally, a sense of fear that I might be the one who's picked on next. So we know that people who witness bullying also experience poor mental health outcomes as well. And then bullies themselves, so these are the group that are hardest to research, least likely to engage in research. Uh, but we know that uh, people who actually bully also are more likely to experience suicidal thoughts. Um, and they are less likely to report that they feel as though they belong at school uh, or enjoy school itself. And then the final group that we could think about, although there's limited research on this, is the parents of children who are bullied. So we know that they also experience distress, often feel uh, powerless and hopeless and unsure of what to do about the situation. So in summary, um, bullying is definitely associated with poor mental health. Uh, and for victims of bullying, it's likely to form a vicious cycle in which those who experience poor mental health are more likely to be bullied. And that bullying is likely to have a negative impact on their mental health as well. Thank you. That's really interesting. Um, so from what you've been saying, it sounds like there are some real key groups that teachers need to think about when they're thinking about teaching around friendship and bullying, particularly those students who may be um, increased um, in terms of their vulnerability, whether that be students with special educational needs or those who are already known to have some mental health challenges. Um, and also really interesting that aspect that you talk about with the, um, the bystanders, the people who've witnessed um bullying and therefore feel that sense of maybe shame or fear around what to do um, and definitely something that we try to address through our packs. Um, all of PSHE education has this general principle that anything that we do shouldn't try to induce fear or shame in the ways that we go about teaching it. So when we were thinking about putting together our lesson packs it was very much with that in mind around making sure that we are exploring possible and realistic scenarios but making sure that we try to empower young people and without casting any particular shame um, or kind of judgment on any particular individual in the scenario. Um, so really interesting that you've kind of raised some of those key things to think about when we're thinking about how to teach about friendship and bullying. It's also worth saying that friendship and bullying has been absolutely essential part of PSHE education for many years now. It's something that we've been teaching perhaps for a very long time. But of course, now it's also mandated for all schools to cover through the statutory relationship, sex and health education guidance from the Department for Education. So very clearly, there are some outcomes that must be met by the end of primary school. And again, by the end of secondary school to help young people develop that knowledge and skill base around addressing bullying in, in school contexts. Bethan, any thoughts about how we might teach this slightly differently for primary pupils versus pupils in secondary school? Yeah, absolutely. So as I was saying earlier, we do see an emergence of bullying behaviours to a greater extent in Key Stage 2. So we can start to consider at Key Stage 1 what we can be doing, thinking about how young people will have skills that they need to make friends and to manage those kind of early conflicts. We can start to have those kind of foundational learning at Key Stage 1 around unkind and kind behaviours so they can consider a role of kindness and so they can start to build an idea about the role of community. 
At key stage two, this is where we can really start to put in more work around exploring friendships, around challenges, and around what those bullying behaviours might be like. As Josh was saying, it can be really distressing for young people to witness bullying and to feel powerless in that moment, to feel that they can't do anything, or that if that moment passes, that that's gone and they've not done anything. That can be really very distressing for them. Mm -hmm. So what we can do in preparation for that is to help them to consider what they might do in the moment, if that's something that is safe for them, if that's a behaviour that's accessible for them, what they can do in terms of knowing that the class is behind them, that the class has a shared understanding that bullying isn't something that's acceptable to them, because that can be very empowering for them. But also, if that moment has gone by, that there are things that they can still do to support that person that they've seen being bullied. And that can be really helpful for the person being bullied. We know that adults who talk about being bullied talk about the impact of feeling that no one intervened and how much that lingered with them over the life course. Mm. So someone coming and checking that they're okay, seeing what was going on for them, seeing if there's anything they can do to help, that can be equally impactful for the person who's experienced bullying and for the person who is intervening in that moment as well. We can also think about in key stage two, starting to do it again a bit more community building, reducing the effect of the kind of us versus then dynamic where we've got you know particular pockets or particular groups of students um, and also start to do a little bit to tackle uh, issues like loneliness or isolation within communities so what we can do to include people within our community. We can then start to build on that at Key Stage 3 so we can consider how we continue to develop empathy and the skills related to that. Starting to look at wider contexts and you know from year five upwards really considering that We've got young people who are very much living their life online in conjunction with their life in person mm. and starting to manage those kind of skills about how we communicate online and how we can do that in a way that reduces friction because we know that a lot of those conflicts can start in those places and those spaces where it's easier to misinterpret, where it's easier to um, come into a situation where those tensions arise. Mm, and of course, young people are less inhibited online so may say things online that they would never say to a person's face. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, so the kind of skills and strategies to manage that, but also in terms of online understanding that the way that they might behave to respond to that can and should be different to how they might respond in person. Again, thinking about you know how they then respond in that moment, that's going to look very, very different. When we start to get towards later secondary school, we're thinking about what we can do in preparation for them leaving school in terms of being more independent, entering the workplace and the kind of legal aspects around that. If we're thinking about um, kind of safe intervention policies in the workplace that might protect people from bullying, what we can do to prepare them to act upon those and manage those conversations in those different settings as well. Okay, great. Thanks, Bethan. So to summarise, the way that we've kind of translated that into our lesson pack is that in key stage one, we're very much focusing on friendships and how young people can build those. And then by the time we're moving into key stage two, it's looking at those conflicts and tensions that might appear within friendships, but also starting to introduce this concept of bullying and how to address it. The Key Stage 2 lessons are divided into specific lessons for Year 3 and 4, and then slightly more mature content to look at in Years 5 and 6. We pick up again with these concepts in Key Stage 3, again very much thinking about that idea of being a bystander and how you can step in and how you can challenge bullying behaviours should you see them. And then for Key Stage 4, that wider context of thinking about what bullying might look like in different settings. Wonderful. So, Josh, can you tell us a little bit more about um, friendship and its importance for mental health? Yes, of course. So earlier when I spoke, I spoke primarily about the relationship between bullying and mental health um, and the negative impact that 
it's likely to have. Uh, but if we think about this pack as being a friendships for bullying pack, it's also worth reflecting on the fact that friendships um, are really, really supportive for mental health. Um, that friendships, we're able to derive uh, an enormous amount of joy from friendships and support from friendships. And so learning how to establish and maintain friendships is a really important skill that we need over the life course. And I really like how this is being introduced early on so that children from an early age can understand how to navigate social situations and establish um, good quality friendships. So on top of that, we know that friendships are important during childhood and adolescence, but also really across life. So if we look at research into mental health, we know that right across the life course, having good quality friendships is associated with better mental health outcomes and health outcomes in general, actually. Uh, and if we look at populations who live for, long, for longer than others um, and live in good health for longer than others, very often, if not always, you'll find that they have a good quality uh, friendship network as well. So that is a reminder of just how important friendships are right across the life course. So learning how to establish them early can really be supportive of our health in general throughout life. And again, that builds on the statutory guidance, actually, mm -hmm. that, that bullet point that says um, happiness is about being connected to mm -hmm. others. Mm -hmm. so yeah, that really draws on that. Yes, it does. Yeah. And it's a reminder that mental health is not uh, a purely individual. It's not experienced purely as an individual, but it's actually a relational concept as well. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Brilliant. Thank you. So Bethan, can you tell us a little bit about how this pack can be embedded into the wider school approach? Yeah, absolutely. And part of that is acknowledging the role of PSH education as being in a preventative approach and acknowledging that that also means that there are limits to what can be done in the PSHE classroom, especially if there's been an incident in the school. So what we can consider is what is within our policies and how they work within the school community, how understandable they are to young people themselves so they can access and act upon them, but also the role of professionals across the school community so our teachers midday supervisors teaching assistants the whole range of people who are in the school who are there to help to identify when bullying is taking place and respond to it appropriately we can also think as pshe leads and pshe teachers about how this fits in with our pastoral approaches so how we're helping our young people to relate to each other and to get to know each other when they start school and then across their time in school so for example if we're considering key stage three and we've got a new intake of students maybe what are we doing across um, different form groups so they get to know each other and are not just locked into that one class with that kind of, again, us versus them kind of dynamic, what we can do to help build the community more generally. Brilliant, thank you. It's been brilliant talking to you today, guys. Um, Josh, Bethan, is there anything else that you'd really like teachers to know about before we wrap up today? Yeah, absolutely. There is a kind of legal duty within schools to respond to bullying. So I just want to direct teachers who are responsible for that, the pastoral role, um, and also the PSHE lead towards the Department for Education's website, which contains more information on the legal requirements for schools to respond to bullying. Thanks. Yes, and teachers can also have a look at the Anti-Bullying Alliance as well for further support. And I think just a broad reflection really is that, uh, as with so many topics that are covered during PSHE education, taking a preventative approach is much better. So trying to promote friendships and prevent bullying from taking place in the first place is what we want to be doing. And this lesson pack will really support schools uh, and teachers to achieve that. Brilliant. Thank you. 
So our pack of 15 lessons on friendship and bullying are available from the PSHE Association website. You can search through our topic page or through our resources page by key stage. And of course, we're really excited about the new design that we've used on these lessons and a number of others. They're really helping to bring the subject specialist's excellent planning to life and create really relatable, engaging materials that pupils can use in the classroom. So we've been able to use many more storyboards, characters, iconography, which can only support pupils' understanding of the issues that they're trying to explore. These lesson plans, as well as many others, on a wide range of PSHE topics are available only to members of the association. So if you're not yet signed up, please consider paying the annual fee. This gives you access to a huge library of high quality, safe and effective lesson plans, as well as leadership tools, planning guidance and access to a wide range of CPD events. Josh, Bethan, thanks so much. It's been a pleasure. We've really enjoyed you sharing your insights and expertise with us. And to all of you PSHE heroes out there for listening. The final thing I'd just like to let everyone know is that we'll be running our spring conference on Thursday the 29th of February. This is an online event and always incredibly popular. There will be a wide range of keynote speakers, including Floella Benjamin speaking about her campaign and advocacy work, and Polly Hayes from Ofsted. As always, there will always also be a series of workshops to choose from led by our fantastic subject specialist team. So book your tickets on the website now. We look forward to seeing you soon.